0: This project is imagined as a series of four podcast episodes revolving around the subject of reality and its creation. It reflects on different realities that could exist in the future, our potential to have an impact on it, the virtual and the real, the magical and the scientific, or pseudo-scientific. The idea is to open up the subject of the prophetic potential of art, culture, writing, films, and everything we do as creators, and how this might be helpful once acknowledged and embraced. The series aims to explore the position of seeing contemporary art, not only as a reflection on the state of the world and its perception, but also as something that is able to predict the future. Of course, how literally we, or you, take this statement is up for discussion hello hi hey hey how are you
1: good good uh and a busy day. just yeah busy day as usual now i would say because there are lots of people coming to visit uh, the shows
0: nice Cool. Today I'm talking to the curator Luca Lopinto, who is currently the artistic director of Macro in Rome. Um, he, I met Luca when he was the curator at Wien and I remember um, finding out about him receiving this position at Macro just as the pandemic was setting in. And I thought to myself, wow, this is going to be a tough job. <laughs> so um, so for whatever reason, the overlap of the COVID pandemic and the shift in Macro's identity really uh, stuck with me. And perhaps because of the, maybe the gorgeous bulletin with this new logo showing the picture of an octopus uh, looking a little bit like a child's drawing, which immediately makes the museum seem more approachable, I'd say. I think that's what kind of made it really... Um, Engraved in my in my thoughts. So, uh, Luca, thank you for uh, being here with me today. Sorry for, for the long intro.
1: Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: <laughs> so, I'm actually looking at the the uh, the first bulletin that I, that I received from uh, Macro. Uh-huh. So, and I'm just gonna read a little bit from it. It says, "With Museum for Preventive Imagination, Macro becomes an exhibition." understood as a form and a place of production through a single exhibition project extending over the course of three years. The program of the artistic director Luca Lopinto does experiments with an elastic interdisciplinary museum structure that makes artists and their thoughts its central focus. So I've got so many questions about the project and firstly I have a question about the title uh, "Museum for Preventive Imagination." I saw that it comes from another title, which was "Bureau for, for Preventive Imagination," right?
1: Yes, um, yeah. The title is an homage to um, to an artistic project made by a um, a group of artists. Um, I would say conceptual artists who were active in Rome in the in the seventies they they had a quite strong political agenda and um they invented this um sort of fictional agency bureau and um and um they were inviting other artists to produce works projects uh, mainly in the in public space and um I the homage to the to the group to the activity was mainly to this idea of imagination and thinking that uh, today instead of uh, building up the um, storytelling of a museum around money as usual, I wanted to to shift the attention um, to the yeah to the possibility of building up a different model of an institution based on ideas and and mainly um, inspired by by the artist's mode of thinking and uh, um, so already from the title um, is uh, for me was a statement of connecting and creating a bridge um towards um uh, an artistic experience that happened in Rome with uh, also uh, certain modalities which were even at the time not so you know so conventional so they were not uh, working in a in a space they were using basically the city as a as a sort of as a sort of um yeah uh, space where to operate uh, as okay. well could, they produce lots of publications, a magazine so I like this idea of producing knowledge and um, an artistic knowledge in a very through different like tools using different tools so uh, yeah I I I, I wanted to, to have the word imagination in the title and, uh, and mm-hmm. also shifting from the idea of an office to the idea of, of a museum and to see if uh, creating this sort of
0: um, yeah almost
1: patchwork of of this uh, of experience that one was completely against the institution was outside of institution uh, and today instead we are trying to to see if it 's possible as an experiment to yeah to build up an institution based on also this sort of um, antagonism or a critique of, of the institution. So it's, it's really a program, an idea based on the tension between these two polarities of mm-hmm. on one end of being an institution and uh, not trying to do to be something else completely different, but at the same time to really question the fundament of this model.
0: Mhm mhm um i i really like the phrase preventive imagination so i i guess maybe what's um uh, interesting to me in this is the word preventive actually so um and now according to what you were just saying i assume that basically uh i mean what what is it what is the imagination preventing like what is um what is the, the you know what is it keeping uh Away from the public, so is, is this the, the um, maybe some rigid form of uh, the former macro museum or, or what did you have in mind? No,
1: in general, I think the word preventive imagination, which sounds of course difficult to understand is not really intuitively. Uh, mm-hmm. a word that you can, uh, or like a concept you can get immediately. Um, but I think preventive imagination sounds almost an, a contradiction, you know, because preventive uh, um, is is more something you associate with something rational while imagination is completely uh, a free form of thinking. And, uh, but um, this was, I, I think, connected, at least from my um Uh, for my project to the idea of combining on one end uh, a very uh, sort of uh, scientific and methodic approach. So, Mm -hmm. for instance, um, the the ambition to create a very um, sort of rigid uh, structure, editorial structure, but in order to create then a, a, a improvisation. So uh, it's a bit like this Ulipo, uh, this uh, literature group that were combining chance with mathematics. is a bit the same idea. And preventive imagination, now it's really a common situation for, uh, for everyone, I would say, because we okay. are still, working in the present trying to anticipate the future but since it's completely we are living in in, in such a deep limbo where you have to 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 have this sort of double sensibility you have to you have to imagine something because the the present and the future is unpredictable but at the same time you know y- y- you have to get an understanding of the thing and um so mm-hmm. um, yeah this is the main uh, think of how the 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 idea of also using this title as a certain ambiguity um, that mm-hmm. I like but of course uh, uh, was not so so easy you know as a title for an exhibition or uh, for a museum and that's why um i i I thought the necessity of having an avatar and and that's why we 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 got to the to to the idea of the octopus of having uh, as a mm-hmm. as a as a symbol of the museum as a sort of quasi logo also it's not exactly a logo um since um first of all it was designed by an artist so it's not something we have found on a on a Data bank, or you know, this logo, uh, mm-hmm, you know, pre, uh, pre design, and there are different type of octopus. So the idea is, uh, is to. Um, I thought this animal is really, uh, is really the um, the perfect example of the, of of the present. Of mm-hmm, course, we, mm-hmm. you can think from. Uh, our way, but also, um, um yeah, you know, the model of having uh, one body with many extensions, with many tentacles, exactly. and uh, and this yeah, is this yeah. really what the, the the program is. You know, the idea of a magazine of thinking the museum as a, as a magazine, which has different sections or so different tentacles, but these different tentacles, even if it's a fragmented body, is still a body. So there is a unity and uh and so but it's not uh it's up to you to then reconnect to the to the sort of to the main uh, to the main body so this in between situation i think is maybe the also the in the dna of the whole uh, of the old project
0: mm-hmm. yeah i i've noticed that the octopus actually really uh has a resurgence lately i i don't know if you've I mean I watched this teenage series on Netflix called The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina and I was really um it was really funny that I mean that they were actually referring to so much of H.P. Lovecraft's <laughs> mythology and uh, this Cthulhu octopus like creatures like they you know they occur in this Netflix show and so I was really thinking about it as well how this symbol of the weird and the strange is it, octopus is it sort of right and then mm-hmm. i i even see it kind of as a symbol of uh, the world that we're living in today um so not yeah so i think it's a really really great choice for for the project that you're doing um
1: yeah and yeah. also um being the avatar being uh, like uh, uh, being like um embodying the the museum um um uh, is also the reason why the the newsletter, the voice of the museum, is always like in in first person, and is is the octopus, is the museum um, that is um, talking to you, and uh, mm-hmm. and this uh, is the result again of self questioning. Also, the all. Uh, protocols on with which a museum speaks today. So speaks today in terms of um, exhibition language. For instance, I always want to have the artists uh, writing uh, the captions, and uh, so having really putting at the at the center of the, of the of the of the of the museum the artist's voice, not only the work and. Uh, and as well mm-hmm. for for the for the newsletter, I I thought why all the institutions, all the galleries, always um, speak in the third person with this sort of uh, fake objectivity, which I always get a feeling of also a certain um, not arrogance, but I, I like to to create a more. Uh, intimate and more kind of uh, smooth or even relaxed kind of um, uh, situation so I thought you know if we if we if we are trying to do some to create a different model at least try to do our best to do that we have also um, you know um, apply this approach to all the to, all, to everything, including the way the press releases are written, the way the newsletter is, and I mean, I was honestly even surprised by the feedback that I had, because it looks, I mean, to me, sounds, um, yeah, not a revolutionary idea, something basic, <laughs> you know, it just uh, is the result of a process of self-questioning more than anything yeah. else to think of the institution as a person in a certain way you know and so that mm-hmm. you uh, is not like an invisible uh, uh, sort of authority also because the museum still uh, is still today um, linked link with the with the idea of uh, of a of a voice of of a power voice you know uh, the authority that if you enter in a museum what is inside there is in a certain way has been approved, you know, it's like having a stamp that that's art while here is also uh, trying to give uh, this, uh, to share this, um, yeah, this sort of endless idea of interrogating about what we are, um, what we see. And uh, so trying to analyze more than just receive passively a cultural object of any kind.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, so, for example, you've mentioned the artists and how they're very important now. Um, so not just their works, but also their voices uh, in the new muse- museum. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was just, you know, thinking about uh, this very... A phrasing that you're having. So, if the artists are now the central focus of the museum, then where would you say was museum's focus before? Um,
1: let's say that, of course, there were artists also before. But this is, uh, I mean, uh, what I propose here at Macro is is really the result of endless conversation with artists, and I got the mm-hmm. feeling that. Um, when they um, collaborate uh, with institutions, is always a great pri- privilege of, especially of, of having the possibility of dealing with a wider type of, you know, um, visitors, and uh, also maybe in terms of, um, of ambitious in terms of, you know, production or or so on. But the end. Uh, um, uh, I think um, the, the the feedback I got is always of you know something very problematic is not really like a space of of freedom or of experimentation, so in that sense, artists are are kind of um, not used, of course, they they are there, but uh, with with many filters. I I really wanted mm-hmm. to to work with the with the same you know modality with, um, with which I I would work in another space. That's why it's it's about the approach. I mean, a museum is such a a heavy structure. You know, a museum means uh, also. I Means certain bureaucracy. It's like uh, move that you cannot move your body so freely as as if you are like I don't know in a in an artist-run space. So there are different things. Mm-hmm. It's not that one is better than other. They're just different. And uh, and I wanted to to trying to yeah to bring that certain idea of uh, that. Also, a museum can be a rehearsal space and not a space where you get and to present the end of that process, you know. Of. Mm-hmm. So usually the museum is, is where you get with, a, with something that is quite defined. And, uh, mm. Or uh, even the museum has in its uh, DNA this sort of pedagogical aspect. Uh, where mm-hmm. um, that 's why before I mention uh, the captions written by the artist, uh, having a caption written by the artist, it means that it 's not didactic maybe it's not it 's not about explaining something it 's more about evoking, suggesting and and for me, um, a cultural experience is not entertaining, so there is a you have to invest a bit of your time, curiosity. And uh, so you have to to make this sort of exercise of interpretation. That's why the idea of having a museum as a magazine means that you have to read, you know, and you have to read something that a uh, type of content which can be very, very different. And for me also, um, um, the necessity of including different type of languages and giving them uh, lots of space, like, Design, publishing, uh, music, um, is quite an esen- essential in, in that case because it's is about the complexity of of what is um, culture today, and uh, and trying to be um, also to present it in a in a way which is uh, closer to the to the to the way artists think more to the that to the way. Uh, uh, let's say the institution thinks that should be shared with a with a with a general um, audience. You know, that's maybe for mm-hmm. me the 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 difference of when I mean mm-hmm. having mm-hmm. the artist at the center, because um, um, art is more about uh, you know, it's not that I ex- explain something. It's uh, when you have a gr- great work of art it's something that is poetic has this power to yeah to sort of to you are completely catched, but and you are left with, with a with a feeling of um yeah of also of interrogation of questioning something not only what you are seeing in front of you but in general and uh it's mm. not always the case and uh, so but without knowing what is the result of this process that's also something which is part of a, of a, of a creative and artistic, you know, um, um, process of working. Usually, instead, the museum doesn't want to, uh, to, you know, everything is planned in advance. Here, instead, I don't know everything, what could happen. It's mm-hmm. more about activating, <laughs> so it's uh, is a big risk.
0: Yeah, yeah, but it's also very appropriate, uh, like responding to the time that we're living in. I mean, 2020, for example, was basically, you know, like you couldn't make any plans anyway, so I guess it's uh, quite apt. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I think
1: this museum, uh, since as a very dysfunctional architecture and had a very precarious and troubled history, I thought could have been the perfect kind of model from where to start this, you know? Something uh, you can, uh, to take this object and trying really to, um, to investigate it. And, uh, mm-hmm. and maybe here, um, it's, it's easier to do it here than like in a major museum.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've never been to Macro actually I know that Odile Deck was the one who did the renovation Yeah. Um, and, and that's probably just because my first degree was in architecture so I was quite okay. interested in architecture mm-hmm. so how would you describe the space why do you think it's complex
1: uh, first of all because it's, um, it's a museum made of two bodies one the old one is a former beer factory um, mm-hmm. um, so it's an example of um, industrial archaeology in a certain way and um so it was not meant to be a museum since it was a factory and was and the museum opened at the end of the 90s and was only in this old part but then in, in 2000 they they realized the the space was enough was not enough and um, it needed like an expansion, so there was an international call, and uh, the Odile Dax Studio won. And after mm-hmm. ten years, the, the museum opened also with this new wing. So you have two is a an architectural pastiche in a certain way because he, you have this like Doctor Jacqueline and Mr. Wright type of personality. One is completely postmodern. <laughs> uh, The Odile deck and the other instead is, as I said, um, a a former factory, old, um, with different rooms connected by two tunnels, sort of passages. My feeling as a visitor every time was of, of feeling completely lost. And also because the mm-hmm. space is huge, it's like ten thousand square meters. So having these sections or having this editorial structure and um is uh, is first of all um a way to give uh tools to the to to those who are visiting the museums to navigate into the space, not only like physically but also conceptually. And um so I really liked um the fact that you can flip through um, the pages of of this magazine and um, and we in fact, we did lots of work and research to find the best way to apply this physically to the space. So uh, in front of each um, exhibition space, you have this big colorful yellow flu sort of covers for the different section where you have the title, a short explanation, so I think was re- really, really important also the way you display an idea, mm-hmm. uh, especially mm-hmm. because the museum is, a, is the only uh, museum of contemporary art in Italy, uh, which has no ticket attention, so it's, it's completely for free. Uh, and this, I think it's quite important today. Um...
0: Mm, yeah, I wasn't really thinking about it. But yeah, that, that's that's true. I mean, here um, in Belgrade, I think you can still... Actually, I'm not sure. I think now we do charge for all museums, but it's really symbolic. Um, but th- there are usually particular days on which you can actually enter for free. Um, but yeah, that's, that's very important. Yeah, that's why
1: um, the, the idea that you have just one project uh, articulated, in, articulated in three years is also the idea that you, to overcome the idea that an exhibition is a fixed object. But since it's, it's like having uh, the museum becomes as a sort of online magazine where you do reshuffle you have a new mm-hmm. content coming, so you don't I think uh, I wanted to create a condition for um, yeah inviting uh, people to come to the museum, not only one but just uh, really yeah um, communicating the idea that you can go. They're not just for a, a single cultural experience, but it's a place where you can go back. You can visit just one thing, and uh, so you're not. You don't have to feel the burden that you pay a ticket and then you have to, you know, to see everything like from A to Z. Because this is not the way uh, we live today, and so there is a, there is lots of fragmentation. There are lots of different type of contents associated, but at the same time there is there there is um there is a system. And um mm-hmm. so um I I like the the idea that y- you can you can come here and just focus on one section. It's like um it's like a, a magazine where you have autonomous columns and so you don't have to is like it's not like a novel that you have to read from the beginning to the end because if you start to read a, a novel in the middle is you lose the you lose the the plot you know now the mm-hmm. feedbacks i are, are very positive but i'm especially happy that it's not something too abstract but really uh, you can feel it this idea of of the magazine and of of reading, uh, reading contents in a three-dimensional space.
0: Mm-hmm. And and did you um, also exhibit parts of the archive, or um, or how do you like at the moment? Is it is it the archive as well, but or or just uh, new projects or commissioned projects? You mean archived? Uh,
1: you're referring to the collection.
0: The collection, yeah. Yeah, the
1: museum as a as a collection of. Roughly one thousand works, and mainly of Italian artists. And um, I decided also here, um, instead of uh, just showing a selection of works or rotating some works from the collection, I I opted for a reflection on of on the condition of the artworks in in the in the Especially in the deposits, because most of the museums of course the the space is is always the same, but the the collection is always growing you know it's about this this idea mm-hmm. of growth uh but at the same time the impossibility of you know of sharing this collection that's why i don't know metropolitan I think they have a collection of five million objects they can show between two or three percent and I've been always kind of intrigued by the by thinking uh, what is the condition of these objects you know from if you think from their perspective and uh, they spend most of Mm -hmm. their life in the darkness in the darkness of these deposits and uh, I wanted to interrogate this and also to um also to share again with um, with lots of people that they came might go to the museum for the first time what are these you know what is this context yeah, what's yeah. The, this environment where they really uh spend most of their lives and uh, and uh, so i asked this photographer giovanna silva to um, to go down in the basement in, uh, in the underground spaces where most of the works from the collection of macro art, and to take pictures. And then we decide to present these uh, photos as a blown up, as a sort of big uh, wallpaper. And uh, so um, and you, you find all these blown up pictures covering the walls of, of, of the space, which connects the two wings of the museum. And this is a uh, is uh, is one of the columns, and the title is Retro Futures: Notes on a Collection. So, the um,
0: mm.
1: all these uh, big environment with these big um, images, photos are meant is is meant to be a sort of big desktop uh, uh, to embrace the works of uh, the the works of young Italian artists. So we are. Um, we start uh, now by presenting eleven works, but then <clears throat> every month we are going to add a new piece. So um, on one hand, mm. you will see a collection in theory growing. At the same time, it's like um, visiting a group exhibition uh, without a theme. So the basically, it's the mm-hmm. content that mm-hmm. is is driving. Uh, and is shaping the show, but is 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 an exhibition that is changing. And so, when I said that I like, uh, I was trying to find a way to overcome the paradigm of an exhibition as a as a still object. Is uh, is also this is another example of of a way to resist that attitude.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, it, it's funny because when you talk about it, like I, for example, when I read that the exhibition, as you call it, basically lasts for three years, I I kind of um, had this idea that actually it's the museum itself that's being on display or like everything that's happening in and around the museum is part of this ongoing, ongoing exhibition. Um, I mean, I'm not sure if you would agree with that, but that was the the impression that I had when I was reading it.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, is is like that? Maybe let's say that uh, is a sort of exhibition of exhibitions. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So everything is changing, but it's changing within the different kind of section of the of the of the, this museum as magazine, and uh, so when we have exhibitions, very often. Um, uh, we have talks or certain conversation these are presented within the, the exhibition space within the architecture of the exhibition not as a sort of public program again it's a statement to say that um, uh, the oral let's say presence is, uh, stands on the same level of an object
0: okay basically my my last question for this uh this topic was um i wanted to ask you um as someone who is holding the position of an artistic director for a museum, how you see the their role for the future for imagining the future and designing it um, but I think you more or less covered that topic with everything you said, but maybe if there's something you'd like to add um Specifically to this, like question directed towards the future and the, and like the the possibility of a museum as an institution to actually affect the future. Uh, How do you see it today, like for, from today's context?
1: I, I I really really like this sentence by Cecilia Ricunia of "Slow down fast." That she thinks she did. Mm-hmm. there is a book that was published, and this slow down fast is exactly the, for me, the condition, maybe also for the future of, of for institutions, but not only. And uh, because it's not about being, being, uh, you know, something against something, but it's more about creating movement and tension between the two polarities. And so we mm-hmm. cannot be stuck of the idea of the museum, uh, which can assign and, and confirms give the status uh, of history to something because I like the idea that um, the history is a story, you know. So if it's a story, mm-hmm. something that can be also adjusted, can, that can be rewritten, can be something more fluid and flexible. And this is, I think, something where I I I always believe. And and of course, this is more the way. The artist things also the the idea that you know a work can change title can can be modified this is is a taboo for a museum uh, because the mm-hmm. museum wants that <laughs> the things are closed, defined, and that's we see what 's next we We have saved that object we have to protect that, but I think now instead as we are witnessing the world we live in, we are in process of constant. Renegotiation of everything, and uh, which is of course much more difficult. Because I I like the idea of going to the Louvre and uh, you see being uh, walking through the history and feeling. But uh, maybe for a museum of contemporary art uh, is also um, is also right to yeah. To embrace that other uh, sort of approach which is uh, which yeah. is much more of course difficult and is uh uh yeah it's not it's not easy but nothing is so easy so it's about it's about life as i said for me it's not only about art
0: mm, yeah i mean basically like one of the main reasons why I, I had this question even before we started talking was because you know for, from the position of someone who who grew up in Serbia, where most museums don't keep up to speed with the international ones, uh, mostly due to the lack of funds in the cultural sector, I've mm-hmm. always been curious about institutional critique in the West, you know like because I, I completely understand this this position of um, actually wanting to put things on a horizontal level you know like to to give less authority to the museum but also to kind of make it more friendly and not in a way that um, minimizes its effects but in a way that makes it more approachable but then on the other hand um, like me as you know as a little girl growing up and all of that I was even kind of yearning for a bit of um, like a, some, some sort of classical structure in museums and um, you know that this sort of power that I was uh seeing in you know in in the western museum so that's super i mean you know this is a personal story but it's also something that draws me to think about um you know how actually it's a privilege to have that kind of platform and how it's um Of course, it's necessary to to deconstruct it today, especially in the context of a contemporary art museum, as you said. But it's just, I guess it depends on where you are. and Whether you're in Italy or in in Serbia or in another place in the world. Um, Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Just wanted to touch upon that in the end. Um, Yeah, so uh, another thing that you mentioned uh, right now was something about, yeah, like history uh, about basically telling a story, in a sense, or like mm-hmm. make, making us choose between different stories, and this uh, kind of reminded me of I think this was the last exhibition you did at the Kunst Halloween. I'm not sure if it is, uh, Time is Thirsty yeah, yeah um, so I, unfortunately I couldn't come and see it, even though I was frequ- frequently visiting Vienna in that period um, and I, I didn't get a the, the chance to see it, but um, I found it interesting that it almost coincided with uh, Time, which was Anna-Sophie Berger's solo show in Belgrade, where we actually mm-hmm. met, the two of us, um, and how both shows refer to Time as a category, um, and also both feature Anna-Sophie, basically. Yeah. So that was just like a funny coincidence. But I was uh, actually curious about the title. How is Time Thirsty? What were you referring to?
1: That's a good question, but very often, as as in this case, It came of, you know, I just thought, you know, uh, is a, a, as you said, is an exhibition um, conceived as a sort of time capsule and um, uh, where I wanted to going back to 1992. Mm -hmm. um, And, but I don't want. I didn't want to have a very didactic title, not too dry, so no nothing like 1992, 2020, uh, something a <laughs> bit more poetic. And um, and then I thought, yeah, time is thirsty. But yeah, honestly, I, I there is no there is no yeah no much to say about the title in the sense that.
0: I mean, it, it sounds good. I think the words kind of go together well. <laughs> yeah,
1: I like the, the idea that time can, I mean, that time can be thirsty and uh, but also, also that exhibition actually really um, came from this uh, feeling of instability, you know, of Can of also trying to experiment with the exhibition per se. And uh, Mm -hmm. also, I would never imagine myself to direct a museum. And for me, the idea of shifting and and, uh, transforming a museum into an exhibition is also a way to make, um, to play the game with my, in uh, using tools which I'm more comfortable with. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, so it's a at the end of that exhibition was really a sort of um, <laughs> kind of prequel of what then uh, what I'm what I'm doing here at at Macro.
0: Mm-hmm. And in a sense that it overlaps um, pieces from different time periods. Yeah, it's also
1: yeah approaching. Mm-hmm. And um, is how hard to say, but is is um, uh, in a way it was an exhibition that started again from a personal condition of of being completely lost, in, and um, um, and I think 1992 in a certain way, reading for instance Mark Fisher. And um, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I I felt also because in 1992 I was basically uh, nine, <laughs> so <laughs> I was not really so conscious of what was happening like um, at the time, and uh, I feel there were certain kind of connection to the to the um, to the actual situations so of. Being completely yeah in this limbo, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, and instead of immediately finding an answer, I wanted to share and creating uh, through an exhibition, uh, recreating an experience where we can all of us together uh, exchange and ideas and uh, you know how uh, yeah, how to share. This moment of uncertainty without going for the fast answer, you know, and uh, so Mm -hmm. in that sense, I think that the Museum for Preventive Imagination is founded on the same kind of fundament of sharing with Mm -hmm. others this feeling that things are not always so fixed, you know, that can change. So it's, and uh, of course now we, we live in a condition where we want s- stability, but all of us we are precarious. I don't know what I will do in the next three years. And uh, exactly. <laughs> uh, so and uh, I didn't, instead of trying also for myself to find a, an antidote, I decided to you know, to continue to go in the mouth of the of the of not of the enemy but of this monster uh, <laughs> and to see what what's happening
0: i was uh, just rereading uh mark Fisher's uh, ghost of my life <laughs> where like the first part where he's describing uh, i assume that you read it yeah. i mean it's it, it's the the part where he's de- describing the what was the show called? The wait, I'm gonna find it now. The one with the the British TV show where time is kind of creeping in mm-hmm. on the two detectives. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So I basically, when I read it, I thought of this exhibition, the, the your exhibition, actually. So I thought of how, um, implying that this time capsule kind of contains, uh, elements of time from 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 the past. It did remind me of what, what he was writing. Um, and in a sense, it also connects to, to what I'm doing um, here for this project, for the, I mean, not just for the podcast, but also for the exhibition that's going to be um, actually part of this broader project, which actually refers to the year 1999, when I was nine years old, mm-hmm. well, funnily, funnily enough. <laughs> Um, but I did decide to keep the year in the title, so I wasn't as <laughs> poetic um, as you were. But um, yeah, just, just wanted to mention that because I thought it was kind of funny. Um, yeah, but definitely, I mean, I think Mark Fisher did um, did such a great job at um, kind of encapsulating everything that we're experiencing today, right? Like, I, I feel like this concept of, of ontology is so powerful and i feel like it's getting even more that way lately or, or maybe i'm just getting older <laughs> <I'm not sure. laughs>
1: yeah this uh, also this idea of this chronia of you know this uh, sort of not of not being um uh, uh, sure how uh, you know how to delimit uh, um to differentiate the present from the past or to the future. So this is also, especially now, is what is really... Mm. When I say we live in a limbo, uh, in a temporal limbo, because you it's really... Um, yeah, it's really poignant, all uh, this sort of reflection. And... Uh, and, uh, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, I mean one of the last things that I kind of wanted to touch upon with you is basically this um, the main theme of the podcast and like so I kind of imagined it as something that would inspire thoughts about how art and culture shape the future but also um, I guess there's a little bit of this pseudo-scientific aspect to it so I am kind of triggered by this idea that artworks or things that artists or curators or even institutions do or say or you know like put out in the world that they uh, have an impact on things that happen later so I kind of created this uh, brief which is gonna be heard in the beginning of the podcast which is basically what i what i sent you today i'm basically um thinking about this can sound a little bit new agey you know Mm -hmm. but on the other hand i'm curious about what how you feel like do you ever have this experience that um artists as sensitive or creative or in like informed people who are inquisitive about the world do they have this like knack for predicting the future in any sense
1: yeah i I mean it depends i think of course artists are a bit like poets they um they they work using a, a different type of you know modality compared to i don't know philosophers so i think sure but it really at the end it really depends so it's very Talking about future, it's always like a very dark and trouble, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and trouble thing uh, area. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I I tend also not to cry, creating too much a mythology of the of the figure of the artist, mm-hmm. especially today, because they are constantly in in moment like today. They always we are looking always for. Someone uh, there to save us, and uh, while I think uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, artists are not meant to to save us, they can uh, usually they work they don't work in sync. You know, they're a bit out of sync. Thanks God, uh, otherwise, <laughs> the, you know, poetry has a different yeah. rhythm, or must have a different rhythm. So. Uh, is like waves, but then every time you can choose your sort of answers, you know? So it's very, it's very hard to say uh, if they are, the, you know, what they predict, where they predict is, uh, but sure, I mean, I think
0: mm.
1: uh, history or like the past have shown that, uh, intuition by artists and poetry became kind of quite uh, they had a resonance uh, later and uh, so maybe we have just to wait
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean I, I guess I was kind of uh, the thing that inspired this thought I mean there were a couple of them but one of them was I like now I can't even remember who said it I'm gonna edit this and uh insert who said it but there was someone uh I think it was Heidegger even like one of those you know (laughs) old school philosophers from the 20th century um who said something that like that contemporary art needs to have a futuristic component so that in order for something to be contemporary it also needs to be oriented towards the future. So I think this was the first time when I thought about this idea, you know, generally, that there is something a little bit prophetic in that. Like, you have to uh, guess or, like, intuitively feel, you know, in which direction the world is moving. So um, that was kind of inspiring to me. I think, yeah, you have to be
1: in and out. I think that's the, the position of, again, of... Of being uh, uh, of moving you know that's I think it's a good thing and artists are always sort of moving from being inside, so also like living in a world and understanding, but at the same time they're completely out, so sometimes they they are out of sync, and that 's why you don't maybe you understand later the 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 echo of that thought
0: mm-hmm. yeah 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 exactly okay great um well thank you for taking the time to talk to me it's already been an hour um it passed really fast for me yeah
1: for me as well
0: <laughs> no. thanks thank yeah. you enjoy the rest of your talk day soon. Ciao. bye Bye-bye. Bye-bye.